Kia ora, g'day and welcome to the history of Aotearoa New Zealand, episode 15, Matariki. As those of you who follow me on social media may know, I had to delay the next episode by a week due to having to go to Hamilton Field Days for work, which, if you were there by the way, maybe you met me and you didn't even know it. Anyway, I did that because it was so tiring and I got no work done that week at all, so I delayed the next episode to next week, but I decided to give you a quick and dirty episode to make up for it on an event that is coming up very soon, which is of course, Matariki. What's Matariki? I hear the overseas listeners cry. Well, Matariki is the name of the Māori New Year which occurs around the end of May or sometime in June-July in the middle of winter because remember, we live backwards down here. Matariki is signalled by the rise of the star cluster, not constellation, apparently there is a difference, of the same name. Again, I hear the overseas listeners cry, but I've never heard of the Matariki star cluster. Actually, yes you have, just by a different name. For most of you, you probably know Matariki as Pleiades, or the Seven Sisters. It's known by all sorts of names all over the world in fact, such as Makali'i, which I hope I'm pronouncing correctly, which means Eyes of Royalty by the Hawaiians, or Subaru, yes, that Subaru, meaning Gathered Together by the Japanese, and Messier 45 by Nerds. The cluster contains about 500 stars, but only 7 to 9 are visible to the naked eye, with it being one of the closest clusters to Earth at 440 light-years away, which is still pretty far. As I mentioned, Matariki signals the Māori New Year as it rises low in the northeast in midwinter, appearing in the tail of the Milky Way just before dawn. The celebration of Matariki takes place over days or even months, but is held at different times depending on the iwi. Some would start when Matariki was first spotted by the lookouts, who would keep an eye out for it before dawn, whereas others would start at the rise of the next full moon, or at the next new moon. If you want to find Matariki, it's actually pretty straightforward. Start with the Southern Cross, which will be upside down at this time of year, and go left until you find Orion's Belt. To the bottom left of the belt is a triangle of stars named after a Tainui spade, and to the lower left of that is a bright star cluster called Matariki. But just hold your horses before you go and run outside. Remember, if you are in the Northern Hemisphere, those instructions won't work. All the stars will be the wrong way round, or not visible at all, in the case of the Southern Cross. As we already know, Māori explained their world through myth, and Matariki was no exception. The word Matariki means eyes of God, after the fact that Tafiri Mātea, god of winds and storms, in his anger when his parents were separated, ripped out his eyes and crushed them, throwing them onto the chest of his father to become Matariki. This is also said to be why the winds come from all directions, because Tafiri Matea is blind and trying to feel his way around. Matariki is also said to be a mother surrounded by her six daughters, who appear to assist Tama Nui Tara, the son, after his winter journey has left him weakened. They also come to help their Tapuna Wahine, their grandmother, Papatuanuku, using their unique gifts to bring Modi, life force, back to her as well as learn new skills and guard them. Tupuanuku, or Pleione, 
is the oldest and tends to the plants with Papa, making sure they grow big and strong. She is a symbol that we each have our own special time and place, and to grow our pukenga, strengths. Tupuarangi, or Atlas, sings for the children of Tane Mahuta, reviving the forests, birds, as well as the lizards. From her, we learn the importance of sharing our gifts with others and appreciating those shared with us. Waipuna Arangi, or Electra, goes with Papa to the oceans, lakes and rivers to prepare Tangaroa's children, the fish, to feed the people. Papa also teaches her how the water spills from her lover, Rangi, to water people, animals and plants, as well as how it returns to him from the heat of Tamanui Tara. She lets us know that if you give to others, that kindness will be returned to you. Waiti and Waita, or Tegeta and Maya, are the twins that care for the insects. The twins know about teamwork, just like insects, and help them with pollinating to help the plants grow. Through them, we learn how to be a team through altruism and supporting one another. Ururangi, or Marope, always races to her grandmother's arms to hear her stories, which puts Papa in the right mood after the cold and darkness of winter, and helps prepare her for her other mokapuna. Matariki herself, or Alcyone, watches over her tamariki, children, to ensure they do their best. Although matariki is used by most iwi as the signal for the new year, some use puanga, commonly called rigel, which is part of the Orion constellation. The reason for this isn't some sort of doctrinal difference, a la the great schism, as the iwi that follow this still recognise matariki. It's more a practicality, as the areas where this tradition is prevalent, namely Taranaki, Wanganui, and the west coast of the South Island, all have large mountains to the east of them, blocking their view of Matariki itself. Like her counterpart, Puanga is associated with good harvests as around the time it rises, Kirirua fat from eating meadow and tawa berries, which ferment in their stomachs, which of course makes them drunk and easy to catch. The first bird of the catch was usually given to the most senior woman in the whanau and the stomach was eaten by pregnant women to quell food cravings and ensure the food they ate was healthy and nutritious. Given that Matariki is at the end of autumn and the start of winter, it was a celebration of the recent harvest. The stores were full of preserved meat, veg and fish and was a time of singing, dancing and feasting due to the variety and abundance of food. It was also a time to look ahead, as matariki was used to determine the next planting season. If the stars were bright and clear, the next harvest would be good, and planting would begin in September. If they were dim though, a cold winter was in store, and planting would be delayed till October. Matariki would later disappear from the sky in April, which would indicate the time for harvest and preserving crops, cementing it as a crucial part of the planting and harvest cycle. Like many New Year's traditions though, Matariki was as much about looking back at the year that was, as much as it was looking forward to the year that will be. In amongst the reverie and joy, there was always a hint of sadness, as this time was also to remember those who had passed on during the year. Some more modern traditions have people saying the names of the dead to the stars, 
or opening a hangi to warm the stars after their cold winter, as some believe the stars hold the souls of the departed. On a lighter note, something really interesting Māori did during this time, though, was that they flew kites. There are 17 known types of traditional Māori kites, but only three types have survived in seven specimens found in London, Hawaii, Auckland and Wellington. Some were shaped like birds, such as the manu totariwai, manu meaning kite, which was meant to look like a robin, or there was the manu kaka, which was meant to look like, well, a kaka, a native New Zealand parrot. Both took much skill to make, usually being made by high-ranking men, though elders were said to be the only ones who knew the spell to make a kite fly well. One of the largest kites was the manu kahu, the harrier hawk kite, which was documented in 1850 by artist Charles Burrow. It was 1.5 metres high, with a wingspan of 3.6 metres, and had a mask bearing a moko attached. There were also kites similar to this that were meant to look like men with wings and had masks with teeth, moko and hair made of hawk feathers. It was supposedly the tribal kite of Natipuru of East Cape. Another large kite was the Manufara, which was tapu and only made by priests for divination, requiring several men to fly it. It was made of tree roots, rupo and toitoi, that fluffy stuff you see at the beach in the flax. Anyway, the sticks of these kites projected up and could injure or kill if the kite crashed. Another type of kite, made by Naitahu of the South Island, was called Rako Hefaka, which was two sticks in a T-shape flown by a line of young men and sometimes women and elders in competitions. Children also had their own smaller versions as well that they could handle on their own. Matariki has been celebrated for hundreds of years all the way up to the 20th century, where it died for a bit with the last festival being recorded in the 1940s. It was later revived in 2000 to a crowd of about 500, then the year after that it was 15,000, and it has just grown from there until today, where it is so popular there are regular calls for it to be made into a national holiday, replacing Queen's birthday. Today, the festival is celebrated with waka races, kite flying, both modern and traditional, as well as events related to Māori arts, crafts, food and conservation. Those of you in Wellington have likely already received a booklet about all the events going on in the city this year. Matariki has also increased the interest in traditional Māori navigation techniques, as it was used to navigate across the Pacific, with some people having recently sailed from Rarotonga to Aotearoa using only traditional sailing and navigation methods. In 2019, the year this episode is being recorded, the Matariki Festival proper begins on the 25th of June, which is next week. In 2020, it will start on the 13th of July, and in 2021, the 2nd of July. So if you are in Aotearoa, New Zealand, I'd encourage you to get involved in your local events, and if you live overseas, maybe take your kids out to fly some kites or something. Or if you don't have kids, maybe just do it anyway. This year also marks the 250th anniversary of the arrival of Captain James Cook to Aotearoa, which is a fairly major event in New Zealand's history. This will involve a flotilla of traditional Māori and European vessels, which will be travelling around the country, including a replica of the Endeavour, 
which was Cook's ship on his first voyage. It might be worth giving it a look if it is coming to a port near you. If you want to send me feedback, ask a question, suggest a topic, or just have a chinwag, you can reach me through email at historyaltaroa at gmail.com or Twitter at historyaltaroa or Facebook at History Aotearoa New Zealand Podcast. Aotearoa spelt A-O-T-E-A-R-O-A. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform and to tell your friends to help us grow and teach more people about the history of our island nation. Have a safe and fun matariki and as always, haritu atu, hokitu mai. See you next time. <laughs>